Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here's your host, DJ Bob. The sun will come out tomorrow and we are celebrating Annie Live on NBC, which just recently aired. But today, me and my guest, Matt Steele, he's a writer, director, actor, and YouTuber. One half of Two Gay Max, the YouTube channel. And we're here to discuss the amazing special produced for ABC's series Turning Point. And the special was a two-parter called Broadway's New Annie Search for a Star. And honestly, it could have been its own reality show, let alone two specials. And we talk about it all. The ins and outs of the auditions, the specific cast members, and the drama and other craziness that ensued in the making of the 20th anniversary revival of Broadway's Annie. And now, on with the show. The sun will come out tomorrow and we are celebrating Annie Live on NBC, which just recently aired. But today, me and my guest, Matt Steele, He's a writer, director, actor, and YouTuber. One half of Two Gay Max, the YouTube channel. And we're here to discuss the amazing special produced for ABC's series Turning Point. And the special was a two-parter called Broadway's New Annie Search for a Star. And honestly... It could have been its own reality show, let alone two specials. And we talk about it all. The ins and outs of the auditions, specific cast members, and the drama and other craziness that ensued in the making of the 20th anniversary revival of Broadway's Annie. Enjoy it. Just a quick editor's note here. We recorded this a few weeks ago before we found out the news that Andrea McArdle will no longer be appearing in Annie Live due to a family emergency. We wish her and her family well at this time. So today I am joined by the other half of 2K Max. A couple weeks back we had Matt Palmer. And you can't have one with us. The other Max Steele is here. How are I am you, man? Here. I am the other half. The other half has made it. We are now a whole. <laughs> and we've been friends for what? Oh, I don't know. Since like 2015, I want to say. 2015, 2016, around there. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been close with the both of you, but we have a, we have very specific pocket that we like to talk about and I think oh absolutely this, and i think the topic at hand today um shines through oh but, yeah this is very much because you you're with matt palmer on all the uh like not like the r&b and like the the music of the 90s and the 2000s and everything and you're very much with me when it comes to like the television of the early 2000s and also i guess this Broadway search for the new Annie <laughs> that yeah. aired uh, in 1997 on ABC. So what are your memories of it? Because this was something that shockingly 
you exposed me to. Really? <laughs> I exposed to Matt to Matt Palmer as well on our channel, Two Gay Mats, and he was he was hor shocked and horrified by everything he saw in this special. And I'm just like, what's so crazy about it? This is this is how Broadway's done, baby. Like it's a hard world out there. Um, so I first saw this, uh, I was watching it at my aunt and uncle's house. I forget why I was there, but uh, the air date, I'm looking at it now, was July 24th, 1997. But, I, but then there were like two different cuts of it, I feel. There were, there were, there was the initial air date, and then there was the sort of epilogue recap that aired... I don't know, a couple weeks later or a couple months later. I'm not sure how much later it was. Well, it says here that the epilogue version aired that following February. So. Okay, so it was a good time after. That's amazing that they, because it was such a successful broadcast that they were like, we have to follow it up with, of course, the the tragic epilogue <laughs> that, that occurred. Um. And so I watched it. I, I I don't know how it got turned on, but I think maybe my brother knew it was airing, or uh, or my aunt and uncle knew that it was airing, and so they they turned it on for us. And I just remember sitting there for it was only like an hour long broadcast of Turning Point and Barbara Walters documenting uh, these the audition process for Broadway's new Annie. And I it felt it was only an hour, but it felt like it was a six-hour saga. Like, that is how emotionally... Like a mini-series. Yes, because that's how emotionally invested I was in the entire broadcast. And there were ups and downs, and, and you know, you were rooting for certain girls, and, and you were watching tears and laughter and joy and singing, and, and finally at the end of it... Well, not even at the end of it, because there was a whole second part of it that talked about the, the tour... Uh, that happened. You finally discovered who was going to be Broadway's new Annie. It was it was thrilling. <laughs> I was thrilled. So before we get into the special show, just a little background. In 1997, they were doing a 20th anniversary revival of Annie, and within that cast, you had Nell Carter, and you had. Literal star to be Sutton Foster. Oh yeah, in there. Yeah, this was a big deal, and they were really expecting this to be a big, long-staying thing, and it just wasn't. Which we'll get into. But what are your thoughts on the whole revival, as a whole? Special aside. On the production itself? Yeah, just the whole thing, like how it was treated, you know, because they were, they were expecting more, I feel. Oh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm actually, I'm looking up more about the dates. It seems like February was when it, the initial broadcast aired, and then the epilogue aired in July. Maybe that's how it went. But anyway, um, the pr actual production, um, I think it's interesting that Martin Sharnin, the original director of Annie, and also Annie's lyricist, um, you know, went on to direct the revival again. It, it seemed like they were trying to, you know, recreate the same production of the you know, that was in on Broadway in 1977. They had the same choreography, um, had the, the show had the same feel and everything. So it is very hard to recreate magic, you know, like the, because the original production was so lightning in a bottle. It was Annie at the time was like the Hamilton of the late seventies, you know, Every, everyone was talking about Annie. It was Broadway's biggest hit. And so I didn't see this revival in 1997, but from everything I've seen of it, it seems like they were trying to recreate that same production. And, uh, you know, it, it just didn't have the same feel to it, I guess. But also there was also the scandal of the firing of you know, Joanna Pasidi that was broadcast on television. So there was a lot of negative press around the production. And they're probably like, oh, I don't want to see this. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, I guess maybe the late 90s wasn't a, a time that people were really interested in seeing Annie. I'm trying to... Let me look up and see how many uh, performances the production... I looked it up. It was like 230... Okay. Nine? Okay. Like that. So that's less a, than a year for a run, which for, you know, a, at the time, a, a major revival of Annie is a short period of time. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I wish I saw the production just because 
I've never seen Annie on Broadway. I've seen Annie several times on stage, but never on Broadway. You know, I, I didn't get to see the the following revival, which was in 2013. Um, but I would love to see Annie on Broadway because I love Annie. <laughs> and it'd be and, great. You know, we could we could go on forever about how you and your brother starred in a production in your basement. <laughs> yeah, the uh, world premiere of Andy, which I believe was also, I did that in 1997 as well. Um, or maybe 1996. You were celebrating it too. Oh yeah, where I, I, it was starring me obviously as Andy and my brother as Daddy Warbucks and my brother's friend Kevin who played literally all of the other roles, including all of the other orphans, Sandy, um, the, the butlers, the maids, everyone. My brother, I think, also played Miss Hannigan. So my brother was both Miss Hannigan and Daddy Warbucks. There should have been a corresponding special yeah. that Turning Point did about no. <laughs> Let's get into more about the special, because there's a lot to unpack here. Mm-hmm. And you can watch it on YouTube. We'll put it in the show notes. Let's talk about some of our favorite contenders for the role. Who really stood out to you as far as the girls? Who did you enjoy? I'm going to say it publicly in front of everyone. I am a huge Jane Bailey Patterson fan. The little the little that. blonde girl from Alabama. I stand her forever. She is a legend. She is an icon. I remember um, she unfortunately did not get cast as Annie and as or as any of the orphans. And there's a shot of her after all the cast members are announced, and you know she she didn't get any of them. And there's a shot of her crying, and that shot of her crying is seared into my memory as a child because I felt so bad for her and I was like oh this poor girl's crying and and she was so fun and funny and everything and uh she was adorable and I I thought she was great I hope she's doing well wherever she's at there's a moment in the special that I don't know how to feel about because for a while in the special they spent time focusing on this girl named Holly Holly Ott from Broadway, New Jersey. Right? Yeah. Yep. And I couldn't tell if she was good or bad or just nervous, but Martin Sharnan really took a liking to her. Like, how do you feel about that? Because that was interesting to me. I also really enjoy Holly Ott. I think she... It was definitely nerves when it came to singing tomorrow. You know, there, for those of you, you know, listening who haven't watched it, there were moments where this girl named Holly Ott, who was adorable, like so cute, and she, um, uh, she is supposed to, you know, singing tomorrow for her auditions, and she, she can't quite like she's a little nervous to like hit the high notes in it so she like tries going down the octave and and it just doesn't work but she just has such an adorable face and an, an adorable presence that you know the director get you know gives her a callback and but the thing is like you she a first of all had an, a great look like she would have made an adorable orphan i know yeah but also she there were there was a shot of her in one moment in the special of her dancing and she's a, you could tell in that short moment, she's a very polished performer, like is really good and performative and really shines. So I can totally see why she was given um, a callback and why the director liked her so much. But then famously at that, at the callbacks, she decided to leave and decided she didn't want to do it anymore because she, I guess she was, you know, she wasn't comfortable or, you were talking about like specific moments that you know stay in your head. Are there any like just lines your little bits that you just go back to? Oh my god, um, it's literally because because I've watched it so many times because we um I can probably recite the entire thing like verbatim because even the even Barbara Walters the PO probably the, all her like her voiceover moments the um because my brother like you know a couple years went by and then you know the internet happened and my brother was able to go to ABC's website and and find Turning Point and you back then you were able to 
order, you know, an episode of like Turning Point on VHS and they would like mail you a VHS and I have no idea how much was spent on it but I remember he asked for it for Christmas and we got it for Christmas probably 2001 I want to say um around there and ever since we got it on VHS we just wore that VHS out and so the entire thing is just seared into my mind. I remember Lindsay Watkins just belting her face off in that mall <laughs> and and everyone... I get the victory moment. Like, I love that. Oh, yeah. And everyone's eyes in the odd is just watching her just being like, oh, she's good. <laughs> she, I remember distinctly seared into my brain Martin Sharnan saying how a- Alexandra Kiesman disturbed him. Disturbed me. <laughs> because she's too cheerful. Uh, I remember that. And I remember just that music director. Matt Palmer was horrified by that music director. The one who's like, there's... They're shrieking at me. They're shrieking at me. Their acting was atrocious. And you, I bet you could find better girls off the street. And this is right when they, like, decided who would be Annie. Like, this is late in the casting process. This isn't like, oh, first round of auditions were a little rough. This was like they had made their decision and the music director was still on camera being like, these girls suck. <laughs> and you know who that is, who that music director is. I did. I did some research on him. Yeah, he's the husband of Mackenzie Phillips, or the ex-husband. I don't. I don't know if they're still together. Uh, from so weird. I remember doing that research and being like, "Oh wow." Um, there, I I distinctly remember uh, the. I'm, I imagine she's the dance captain or uh, the assistant to the original choreographer. They're going through pictures of girls and she points to one picture to a girl and goes never in a million years. (laughs) It's just, it's so, it's so funny because this is, you know, what casting is like. They're very like the casting directors and the producers and the director, they're very blunt. And even when it's about kids and so um, this was an amazing behind-the-scenes moment where you could really see how blunt they could really be. Because, I mean, they have to say, like, no, she can't do it. She can't do it. She can do it. She, it can be gotten out of her, you know. Um, they they have to talk like that because it's they just have to be blunt with that sort of thing. And so I, you know, was watching Matt Palmer watch this and he was horrified by how they were talking about these girls. And I was like, what? This is what it's like. (laughs) I don't understand why you're confused. Oh, yeah. And one of my other favorite moments that I just find funny, I don't really know what Martin Charney means when he, she can, I, she, she can act, she can act, and then he points to another girl. She can do it, I guess. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> like, it was at that moment, I think, they were talking about Christine Marie Bogan, who uh, had, she came with curly red hair, and she had played Annie before. Oh, yeah, that was the, oh, yeah, and, and, the, and the Korean tour, whatever it was. Yeah, and that production, I think, was... Either, either directed or overseen by Martin Sharnan himself. So he had worked with Christine Marie Bogan before. But he acted like he didn't know who she was. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do question like how closely they've worked together. But that's also, I think, why maybe she doesn't pop up in the special until the callbacks section. I wonder if maybe she was like just immediately was sent to callbacks. Um, But there's a part in the uh, special where they're talking about her and they're like, oh, well, the Annie, the Annie, uh, the Annie lookalike, the Annie lookalike. And Martin Sharnan goes, well, the Annie lookalike is a mimic. She's not an actor. And they're like, ooh. And they're like, well, she's she's done it before. And he's like, well, yeah, it could be gotten out of her. But but in a, in a way, she, she gives back nothing. And I don't know what he really means by that. And she seemed really good. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I Of course, I didn't see her full audition. But she seemed really good. She would have been really good. But, uh... Yeah, they were real. They were really tough. Maybe like a little too tough, <laughs> like in moments. But they were really they need tough. they needed to be, and it's mm. it's interesting to me because you said you said earlier about oh you know 
you can't, you have to be blunt. You can't just play to the fact that they're kink and, you know, they have feelings. But you're like, I feel like Annie was the first show that really embraced a core kid cast on Broadway. Yeah, definitely. And I'm trying to think that it was also kind of, I'm sure maybe there was some hit Broadway show before that, but it was really, a, I want to say right now, like one of the first shows that was really kind of a, a machine where they really like had to just like crank out girls like because especially because you know they were dealing with a lot of kids who grew out of the role that's an interesting so, thing too that they brought up in the special like they have a specific height yeah that, yeah it's it, it was very much a thing where like if a girl outgrew the show they she was gone and then they replaced her with another girl like Annie in the seventies and early eighties was very much a machine in the same way that, you know, wicked is kind of a machine. Now it's like, they just kind of like really like find the people who can hit Alphaba's notes can do her track and they just go through them. And, um, just because, you know, it's, it's a, it is a Broadway is a business and everything. And so, so they really like treated these girls sometimes like they like they were just a commodity and um and it really was a machine this like both the original production of annie and i guess this revival you know yeah like it was like oh she's too tall nope she's done she can't do these steps she's done like there's no like there's no offense your buck they were looking for the best of the best yeah and uh it shown. Let's get to Joanna. Mm -hmm. Because, at least in the version of the special that I saw, there's some, there's sort of a, a prologue, if you will, of showing her at home in her father's barbershop and how she got to where she is. Mm -hmm. So... When you saw that, did you, in your head at the time, were you like, oh, they're doing this because she might get it? Or did you kind of shank that bit of foreshadowing? Like I did. Because they, they didn't do that for a lot of the, the contesting. Yeah, definitely. I definitely didn't pick up on it when I was a kid. Um, I just figured, oh, all of these girls have their own, you know, backstory and everything. Um, and so I figured that they're pretty equal. But now that I watch it as an adult and I know more how TV works and how edits work, she really got a beautiful edit <laughs> in that original special. Like, you know, she's, um, was, you know, the hometown girl from Philly who just sang at her dad's barber shop and she's very, you know, likable. Whereas... You know, Christine Marie Bogan, she, it's not that they gave Christine Marie Bogan a bad edit. They automatically Marie, made her the look like. Yeah, they automatically showed, like, this was the girl who's done it before. And and this was the girl who's who, you know, you would assume is the front runner. So it kind of made, I'm sure, a lot of audience members be like, oh, well, I don't want this girl who is the obvious choice to get it. I want this girl who maybe is an underdog to get it. You know, um, which like is so sad for Christine Marie Bogan because I feel like the edit made it made people kind of like root against her, <laughs> you know. So it's like this poor girl. But um, uh, but yeah, they definitely gave Joanna the the winner's edit, I would say. And so when when she was announced, I remember watching it as a kid, and uh, you know, Andrea McCardle picks her out of the crowd. Um, I just definitely remember being like, oh. Of course, like that's obvious. That makes sense. You know what's interesting, and we'll get to the whole firing. That's a whole show in itself. That whole debacle. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I will say, when they really midway through the special, they really started focusing on one of the other orphans, Brittany Kissinger, more. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, something's going to happen with her. And something did. But they did, like, a whole tour prior to Broadway just to get them out. And 
So, a lot of the main cast was there. The orphans were cast, and Joanna was playing Annie for 106 performances, and then she gets a case of bronchitis, I believe. And then what happens? Uh, so she gets a case of bronchitis. I forget how long she uh, got off, like she requested off, you know, to recover. Um, but then I want to say back, like right before she was about to go back, she got a fax. Uh, I think either her agent or lawyer got a fax, um, basically saying that I think I found out later on the the way Turning Point made it seem was that the facts said that she was just completely fired. But I want to say I heard that the facts originally said we've you know con um, had a, you know long discussion and we want Joanna to share the role with you know someone. Yeah, they else. mentioned that in the special too. Yeah, I think originally it was the offer was to have her share the role, and then uh, it specified she would not open the show on broad she would not be the opening night annie on broadway and uh and so uh so they tried like negotiating something and and nothing could be negotiated and so uh so yeah they uh joanna was essentially let go and um it was really really devastating that epilogue that aired is really really sad when he says i ain't annie anymore uh. Or no more. It's not going to be me, Annie, no more. <laughs> Devastating. I was like, no! <laughs> I know, it's so sad. But, uh... And it's like, they do a similar shot composi composition with Kristen Vigard. Yes! Like, so, you know what's going to happen. Yes, and, and Kristen, it's so interesting because in this turning point, the original turning point special, they talk about how the original Annie... Um, at Goodspeed Opera House in the 70s before it went to Broadway was Kristen Vigard and then Kristen Vigard uh, was they felt that she was too sweet for the role so they they, they the way they edited that they made it seem like they completely fired Kristen Vigard but Kristen actually played an orphan later on on in the Broadway production and I want to say eventually went on for Annie on Broadway as well but I could be wrong about that but they essentially gave the role to Andrea McArdle, who was originally an orphan, and Andrea McArdle was Broadway's original Annie. Um, but yeah, it's just ironic that like the same thing happened in the 70s, and then here we are again telling the same story about how the girl who was supposed to be Annie was was replaced um, before it got to Broadway. Uh, yeah, and at that point, 20 years later, so it's, it's almost scary in a way it's very weird yeah luckily nothing crazy happened with the casting of annie um for the the 2012-13 revival luckily that casting seemed to go smoothly who knows what was going on behind the scenes <laughs> but it publicly it, it seemed fine so after you know it got a lot of publicity there was a there was a lawsuit I think a fifty million dollar lawsuit. Yeah. Um. So, what are your memories of you know, kind of watching this go down? Because she's on Rosie. She's on Kelly J.K. Raphael. She's on all these shows because they want to give her her moment to shine. Yeah. I I don't remember having much of an opinion about it when I was a kid. I remember being like, "Oh, that's that's sad and that must be disappointing." But now I, you know, I'm I'm much older and I've I am able to think about things more critically and I'm just like, "Yikes. Like that's really really awful the way it was done." And especially um I had heard Joanna Pasidi on different podcasts since um, like recently and she I love that podcast I just listened to oh it. yeah yeah and uh, she talks about how apparently producers told other cast members who she had become friends with like all these little girls she had become friends with she they, apparently they were told like you're not allowed to talk to Joanna you're not allowed to associate with Joanna like um, I, I remember her saying that the way Brittany Kissinger was announced 
to the cast was, or maybe she didn't say it, but I remember hearing that the way the producers announced that Britney would be replacing Joanna was they brought all the cast together in the room and they just opened the doors and they were like, here's the new Annie. And Britney Kissinger just walked in with dyed red hair and it was like cut into a bob and people were just like, what? <laughs> Where's Joanna? <laughs> you know? So it's crazy. Now, how do you feel about Britney Kissinger casting? Because that really did come out of nowhere. It did. They really w went for something completely different. I mean, the only thing I can assume is that, um, you know, Joanna was, I think, 12 or 13 when she was cast. And, you know, she was she was taller. She was bigger. I think producers might have gotten a little nervous and just been like, a, like, oh, oh, no, is she too old? And also, like, would audiences like it more if Annie was younger and, like, cuter? Like, like more, like, bubbly? Yeah. Um. So And Brittany was, you know, very small. I, she was, like, what, eight or nine? So I, I assume producers were kind of just, like, we're seeing the show and we're discovering that we don't want a slightly older, um, you know, tougher Annie. Like, we want... A, a younger, more bubbly, like, little girl. I mean, maybe that was that they were seeing the trend in child actors at this point, and maybe Britney fit the mold with, like, what was popular more so at the time. I don't know. But that's... And what did you think of her after seeing clips on of her? Because I've seen clips on the Today Show and other things like that. So do you think... She really carried that. I mean, I really like her. Like, she's very fun. She's very, she's a very, uh, like, goofy Annie, which is, you know, very endearing and very different from Joanna, which felt like, from what I've seen, was a more grounded, um, mature Annie because, I, you know, she was older. Um, and it was, and Joanna obviously, like, had that voice, which was just, like, incredible, like, an amazing, amazing singer. And, uh, you know, Britney's voice wasn't as mature. And uh, so I think they were kind of like, you know, we don't need an Annie who can really belt to the stratosphere. We just want an Annie that, you know, has maybe more energy or something like that. So, I mean, they're they're both very different. Now, how old is Annie supposed to be in the show? In the 1982 movie, she's 10. Um, I I want to say in the Broadway production, maybe she's 10, but maybe she's 11. I forget. There's the scene where she does state her age, where Grace Farrell comes to see Miss Hannigan, and uh, she, Annie is, like, behind a door trying to, like, tell her her age. Um, but uh, And in the movie, I know it's 10, but I want to say maybe in the Broadway show it might be 11, but I could be wrong about that. When I heard her age was somewhere around that ballpark, I was like... Back a lot for a kid like that to command the stage and do all the stuff she's doing. But she did it well. I mean, that Tony Award performing shows it. That is very young. That's a very young age to carry a Broadway show. Like, to have be the biggest part in a Broadway show. That's that's a lot for a kid, you know? it's It's a very hard role. So... Obviously, the revival didn't last too long. So, do you feel like it didn't last too long because of the controversy? I know we said that people didn't really wanna. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe Annie wasn't in the cards for this type of audience at this time. But do you think that the firing had a big thing to do with? going under i imagine it did i can't see how it how it it didn't affect it in some way you know it was such a big story and you know the press was like you know really bad about it and so i, I imagine it had to affect it in some sort of way you know watching this special numerous times there are people there are orphans that i wish got more screen time like um What's her name? Christiana? Christiana the, Ambry. Yeah, like, little six-year-old beauty pageant queen. Yeah, like. yeah, she was five at the time. And she and it was, she was just, you know, the obvious 
you see it's so interesting seeing all the little girls in there and uh seeing you know girls who eventually went on to you know do annie like uh there's uh what's it? sarah highland from modern family she's in it and she she you know you she doesn't speak or have um any like narrative arc or anything in it, but she, you see her auditioning and then a couple years later, really? Yeah. She's in the very beginning. There's a shots where Martin Sharnan is like holding a little girl's wrists and like clapping, uh, her hands. And Oh, you see her sing, uh, in the montage where they're all singing tomorrow. She's the one that starts off. She's the one that starts off with the sun will come out tomorrow. Like that's her. And, uh, so it's interesting that a couple years later, she was eventually cast as Molly in the, um, ABC, uh, made for TV. Wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. Yeah, And, uh, and then eventually became Sarah Hyland. Also, Andrea Bowen, uh, is, the, the other little girl who's up for Molly, she's the blonde girl, and uh, uh, oh, Alicia Morton. You you don't I don't know if you see her specifically, but you see her like a uh, Polaroid picture, um, and it's Alicia Morton who ended up, of course, becoming Annie in the. So I bet ABC you Rob movie. Marshall took a lot of casting tips from this. Oh, I imagine Rob Marshall either like worked with the casting director or maybe or worked directly with Martin Sharnan. And Martin Sharnan was probably like, hey, here are some really good girls that auditioned. Because it, was only like, it was only like, what, two years after? Yeah. Well, I know they shot, they shot it in like 98. Oh, did they? Okay. So, yeah. It, yeah, because yeah, it came out in like 2000, I want to say, right? Or late, I think it. November of 99 it aired. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, like Alicia Morton's in there and another like, you know, I'm a big Broadway kid fan and Cassidy Ladin was my favorite Broadway kid. And Cassidy Ladin was uh, Pepper. Like she got cast as Pepper, but she doesn't, uh, she's not like interviewed or anything for the, the Turning Point special. Um, but she's in it a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But are there any moments that like, that like stick out to you? Like, oh, this is good TV. Oh God, all of it. <laughs> I was just enthralled by the whole thing. The um, I really love you know when they're done the casting process and they go on tour with the girls and you see the stuff about all the the set design, um, and you know reasons for the set looking you know, a certain way, like, and how there was no red in any of the set pieces. So, or any of the other costumes so that Annie's red dress would, and red hair would always stick out. Um, and different like moldings of like, you know, daddy Warbucks, house was inspired by the designs on like the dollar bill and everything. So I really like always liked that part of the, the special, um, just cause I'm a sucker for a behind the scenes Broadway moment. <laughs> Turning Point had similar stories like this that were real, but I feel like this was more edited in more reality TV style, don't you think? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, with like the talking head of it all, um, with and you know, delving deep into you know these these girls' personal life. Yeah, I, they definitely wanted some reality drama in there, but like not too much, of course, cause you were dealing with kids and also it's a, you know, Annie's a family show and, um, yeah, I would say, just, I mean, and there's a reason why this special really has like people talk like this is the episode. I don't know how long turning point lasted. I don't know how many seasons it was, but this is the episode of turning point that people talk about, you know, this is, <laughs> yeah, because this is the one that like really, kids could watch yeah exactly and then it all came crashing down so we're talking about this special and this revival but what is your favorite iteration of annie oh that's such a hard question okay i mean the very first version of annie i ever saw was the 1982 john houston movie and I think there are the movie is not perfect. <laughs> there are many things that, no. that happen in the movie that are just like, what is this? Like it becomes Annie, the action packed adventure where she's climbing up on a bridge and a helicopter saves her. Like it's, it, tr- it goes truly haywire at some points. And 
and it's so crazy. Like, there are about five million orphans in the movie. Now, why can't Aileen Quinn, Aileen Quinn, an orphan on Broadway, too? I think she might have been, yeah. Or, like, on Broadway? I don't think she was one of the... And maybe she was on tour. I, I don't know. I, I want to say she played Annie... I know she somewhere. was connected to it somehow, yeah. Yeah, I, I, but so, I, but as many flaws as that movie may have, I think the casting in that movie is some of the best casting you will ever see in a motion picture. Like, I, everyone is so perfect for their role. I think Carol Burnett gives one of the greatest comedic performances in a movie of all time. I, it's like the easy street with her and Tim Curry and Bernadette Peters is is so brilliantly done. And I love Aileen Quinn as Annie. I think the orphans are really well cast. I think Albert Finney is so great. Everyone is just so perfect in their role. I think the made-for-TV Annie that aired 99 or 2000, I think has more, I think gets more things right directorially. Um, and the cast is very good. Like it's it's very good, and I'm glad that it has NYC in it. That was my first exposure to Annie. Period. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's I think it's a great um, film. I I I love it as well. Uh, but it's so interesting because no iter- movie iteration has th- goes deep in as into the the political aspect of Annie as the Broadway show does. Like. And the Broadway show gets very political with like the the Hoovervilles and how Annie Annie visits the president in the 1982 movie, but it's a much more impactful scene in the Broadway show. And the end, the final number is a number in the Broadway show is a number called "Getting a New Deal for Christmas," which essentially is saying like this little girl inspired the president to create the new deal basically meaning this little girl ended the great depression <laughs> you know um and that is in neither film version and so i'm kind of hoping that this new annie live has more of that you know because i think that's what makes annie go from being a kids movie or like a kids show to being a family show you know the the stage version is so much more mature in in that aspect, you know, so I'm hoping. Well, you know, they're always, and by the time this episode airs, we will have seen it. But I'm hoping, considering that live live musicals have stayed faithful to the source material, mm-hmm. that this one will like well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could see you that got, you've got Andrea McCardle, you know, in this and. The, the fact that they cared enough to even do that, yeah, that's such a good move. Oh yeah, and that's one. And Andrew McCardle as the star to be in NYC in the original, oh, or, yes! sorry, in the uh, the made for TV version is what a great performance and <laughs> like so good. I'm so excited to see how they do that um, in the live version. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Did you see the 2014 Annie with Quentin Wallace? No. Dex, I wanted to get to that. Okay. Because I liked it. (laughs) I did not get to see it. I still to this day have not seen it. But I have to say, I I know, you know, it's it's a very different thing and they make so many changes, but I think that soundtrack slaps so hard. Yes! It's so good. It's so good. And it, I can. I don't think of it as oh, this is Annie in the way we know Annie. I sort of see it as like, a, I sort of see the music as like a, a relatively newish score with like sam and it like samples the score of Annie. You know? It's, yeah, like Jay, like Jay Z did. Yes, exactly. Like it's its own thing. I I have it that soundtrack on my shuffle. I think it's great. <laughs> See, this is why this is why I had you here today. Cause there are certain like there are certain pop culture things that you and I just bond over, and this was one of them. Because when you introduced this to me, this checked. Every single box. Oh yeah, 
This is <laughs> this is required viewing. If you want to be a musical theater fan, if to call yourself a musical theater fan, you have to watch this special. It's 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 required. It's history. It is history, and it's just so emblematic of like the time and uh, you know what Broadway was at that point, and just seeing just the casting process is always fascinating. So, any other favorite moments that? you you think about all the time because I keep asking that because there's so much to sort of they really crank out like it it all happens it's very dense with material because without commercials it's like 40 something minutes it's very dense and they really go through plots like really quickly but you still get a full arc with everyone you know but it, it happens so fast but it's still so effective and other parts i love are just everything with nell carter and she's you know when she's talking and she's just like oh i i want the show to run at least a year i mean at least a year with me in it then i'm gonna take a week off <laughs> and it's like oh well it didn't it didn't even run a year. I I forget who it was, but there's this really lighthearted moment in one of the auditions that just gets me every time. Where one of the one of the girls is singing tomorrow or something and she goes, I know, I'm just nervous and then Mark goes, I know, me too. I know. It's it's so cute. He he apparently uh the interview with Joanna Basidi, she was talking about how Martin Sharnan, you know, despite everything that happened, Martin Sharnan, she's like, is the nicest man like you could have ever worked with. He was so great with kids. And you could see that. Like he was very um he treated the the kids like adults, but was never like a too hard on them or like too aggressive but he you know he told them you know what he wanted them to do and and I, you could see that he was very good at teaching kids like how to act you know but he was also goofy about yes it, like. he was very light-hearted about it and and he he you could just tell that he was he was great with them another part i love was when a uh, uh, justine who of yeah. one of the girls call back and she's, you know, waving her arms too much. And she like, he's like, okay, start again, start again. And she goes and she goes to move her arms and he's like, no, why are you winding up? <laughs> he's like, you're about to take off any minute. <laughs> I, he's like, he's like, I'm about Cape Cod. Or yeah, he's, like, he's like, you'll be in Cape Cod in 10 minutes. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, um, and it's very interesting. Cause you know, you watch him interact with her and you it, you sort of start to realize like oh what are they looking for in these little girls they're not just looking for a girl who can sing really well or who can dance really well they're obviously this girl Justine she she eventually learns like i she that she could take they eventually learned that she could take the note, you know, she was good at following direction. It took her a couple tries with the arm thing, but, but I assume she, she learned how to, you know, sing with her arms down, you know? So they were probably like this girl, you know, we can work with her. They're looking for, they were looking for little girls who they could work with, you know? And we were talking about Holly a little bit ago and like, even when, you know, she was, you know, on the floor right next to Martin. He really took her under his wing. I know, of. yeah. And, and you know, gave her, you know, it was great that he gave her an opportunity. He wasn't just like a director who was like, oh, she, she can't hit the note, don't like her. Moving on. You know, he was really because just like, no. He, I'm... he knew how kids, he, he knew it. He empathized with the idea of being a kid and sort of, you know, kind of going in their headspace and knowing how they would react. So he never did that. Yeah. And and also something that is very noticeable is like they were looking for kids who really could stand out on a Broadway stage and and each orphan ha had to be a very distinct character and he really understood that I mean you watch the 1977 production at the Tony Awards and each orphan has her own personality and okay is very distinct. that whole performing that required viewing too. Oh, 1000%. Absolutely. I mean, the original Broadway production of Annie is just important to, for society, you know. 
it changed the world, darling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like that, that whole that whole performance from that Tony Awards is like a masterclass in. Oh yeah, with you know, with Dorothy Loudon especially just being her brilliant self and yeah yeah. Another thing I wanted to bring up, I was now that we're on the whole any kick of things while I was prepping for this, I found this other performing this other Tony Awards from like eighty one mm-hmm. okay where they brought like Priscilla Lopez and Andrew McCardle to kind of reprise their roles because I guess the theme was like leading ladies of Broadway or something. Okay. And Andrea saying like tomorrow and she could still do it. Yes. Yeah. At eighteen <laughs> like it you would you would like she just great yeah she it's i saw one like i don't know if it was like a variety show or what it was um but it was the craziest thing (laughs) annie related thing i've ever seen um do do you know the uh, magician doug henning he was a magician yeah he um he has oh i know what you're talking about oh my god so um and he did a Broadway show. He did the magic show. It was a musical called The Magic Show in like the seventies. And um, was this the one where Allison Smith? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Yes. So I I don't know what what logic there was behind it, but Doug Henning was in this variety show, and they were like, okay, let's feature Annie. So they had Andrea McCardle come out, and this is Andrea McCardle has been out of Annie. Like, she's probably like 15 or so at this point, maybe, who knows? She's a young woman at this point. And so she is singing the song, and (laughs) then she is on a giant slide, and she, before the end of the song, she goes down the slide and it's a covered slide and then Allison Smith is her name what's her name I think Allison Smith she's she was a replacement Annie pops out of the other end of the slide and she's like Annie age like she's like 10 or 11 or something and she like finish she finishes the song it's yeah it's very like double dare looking almost yes it's so hilarious and funny because it's like this was what they did on tv and like the 70s like back in the day like they were just like oh we'll have annie and a magic trick and it won't make any sense but like the audience will love it my favorite thing ever and i'm trying to find it in the 70s there was an annie christmas special i want to say i've seen some of this I've heard about it, I've read about it, but there's there's no record of it on YouTube. I know Andrew McCarl's in it, of course. Mm-hmm. But have you ever seen oh man, what's that documentary called? It's called hold on, let me look it up. Um Life After Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, it's I did. the documentary and it was made by a woman who was an orphan on Broadway. Um, at one point and it was following it, you know, documented, I think it came out in 2006 and it was about what happened to all the Annie's and the orphans after, you know, they grew out of the role and like how tragic it felt like for them to grow out of the role and they were no longer like usable in this show. And it really goes into kind of the machine that was Annie at the time, how they were just going through girls and, have you ever heard Andrea McCardle talk about it? I have. Uh, yeah, she is not a fan of this documentary. Annie, I feel like, for for a show of optimism and hope and sort of getting through stuff, it really, the production has gone through stuff too. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just such a, an interesting irony, like a show just about, you know, unabashed optimism and and hope. Just, you know, it's it's a production, and so it's a part of show business. And so with show business comes disappointment and, you know, money and all the gross things that we hate about show business. So the fact that these two things have to, you know, somehow work together is... It's very interesting. I mean, Annie's an interesting beast. 
So the reason why we're covering this today, like, is because Annie Live will have just recently aired. Um, when you heard that they were going to do Annie Live, were you scared? Because Annie means a lot to you. I was excited I because I had the hope that, oh, maybe they'll you know, incorporate the Hoovervillies and more of the political aspects that's in, maybe it'll be more faithful to the stage show because there's no filmed version of the like stage show. That's like super, super, super faithful as far as that aspect goes. Um, so I, I'm, I, I'm optimistic. I can't help it. I'm a red, a curly redhead myself. And so I have to be like Annie and be optimistic about what's to come. Yeah, you know, I was too. I was optimistic too. Oh no. <laughs> you say was. I was optimistic. But what I'm worried about is like, just like people comparing, well, it's not like this version or it's not like that. Like, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, but that's inevitable with anything, I feel. So, how do we feel about the casting? I mean, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it yet as we're recording this, but... I like the casting. I mean, I... Me too. I saw a bunch of people, like, complaining about Harry Connick Jr. being cast, and I'm like, I don't think he's inappropriate at all. I think he'd make, a, like, a good Daddy Warbucks. And I think I think the casting of uh, Titus Burgess as Rooster is really interesting casting. I'm excited about that. I I love Taraji P Henson. Um, I've never seen the little girl who's Annie in anything, but I assume she's great. <laughs> I mean, she she's very cute, and uh, I have I have high hopes. What do you think of Megan Hilty now? Oh, I think that's great casting as well. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, I'm a big Jane Krakowski fan, so obviously, you know, it was disappointing that uh. Uh, she's um, unfortunately, you know, it's because, you know, she had a breakthrough case of COVID. Um, so of course I'm like, Oh, I hope everything's okay. You know, obviously. Um, so there's that on top of it, but I think, I think Megan Hilty's a great idea for a replacement. I think she'd make a really like, and Megan Hilty is great at comedy, like really, really great. So I think she'll be excellent as, as Lily. I'm really excited to see the orphan. Oh yeah, what's that's gonna what's that gonna be like? Because um one of the orphans in the twenty fourteen movie uh turned into like a sitcom star. She was on Fuller House for years and doing all these projects and Yeah. That that was one of her first things. Yeah. Like is the pepper gonna be like a, the next Meryl Streep? That's the question. Well, that question only you would ask that specifically. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so, I wonder if uh, the if it's going to be you know the the seven orphans or, or there's Kate, Molly, Pepper, Tessie, Duffy. Um, am I forgetting one? July. So there's if there's going to be like the six orphans. Um, or if it's going to be like the 1982 movie where there's going to be like an, an ensemble of orphans. You know, I wonder which route they're going to go with that. What do you hope that our audience will take away from this festival? What do they look out for? I mean, we've covered all the beats, but is there any like golden nuggets that... What do you want... What do you think people should know about this turning point? They need to know about the legend that is Joanna Pasidi, and they need to know that Joanna Pasidi deserves justice and deserves all of us she, to stand okay, her. So, for the record, Joanna Pasidi, this happened to her twice. Oh, American Idol. Oh, no. Oh. Now. I don't know much about that deal of it, but I know that she had a record deal for a while, and mm -hmm. that was she, a big part of it. She has a song in the movie Legally Blonde. Um, she it's the, during like the montage where Elle is buying like the laptop and everything in the bunny suit or the bunny outfit, and that's that's Joanna Pasidi's song. 
And uh, so then she was in a, she also had a demo that I bought online in like, I don't know, 2000 and God, I don't know, 2000 and 2000. I don't know. And she had a song called keep your eyes on the prize and it's really good. <laughs> it's a, it's a bop, but, um, and she was the original singer of, uh, the Britney Spears song out from under. I've heard both versions. Yeah. And, and so then Joanna Basidi was, uh, on season eight of American Idol, she made it to the semifinals and was like considered one of the front runners. And uh, then it came out, the producers like, the, the producers say that they then found out that she had a record deal prior, but Joanna's very much like, they knew I had a record deal prior. Like, this was knowledge to them. You have to, you have to say all that. Yeah, you have to say all that. Like, they had all that information. Also, like, it's not like the producers are like living in a vacuum. Like the producers know who they're casting and like putting in like the semifinals. Like they know, oh, this girl had a song in the movie <laughs> Legally Blonde before, you know. Um, and but they it like came out to the public, and so then producers were like, oh, we're not letting her go through because she had a record deal prior, and so that's that's so disappointing. Um, along with the Annie thing, like she. You know, th she's been through it, but she's doing well. She I, she just had her second child. Um, I know. I follow her on ago. Instagram. I, I do too, of course. <laughs> Everyone follow her on Instagram. I can't believe cause we recorded several conversations that haven't made the air so sadly. But now that we're all technically set. Yeah. But... I just want to say thank you for coming on and thank you so much for supporting what we do. Oh my god, thank you so much for asking me to come on and talk about literally one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> and I have to be honest, because you know, I just want to talk about, for those that don't know, our friendship it's very much like this. Like, okay, hey, do you remember this? This is what you are such a great friend for. Just that, just because you remember everything. And so just when no one, I'm like, the, the Torkelsons, I want to talk to someone about the Torkelsons. Or I want to talk to someone about Bug Juice. I'll talk to DJ Bob. Well, yeah. And trust me, when I saw that Pepsi video, you guys did I like, thank you. Thank you. That was a brilliant idea that you had, and and uh, I, I was mad that you guys never did it. <laughs> I feel I feel like that's right in the pocket of what you guys were talking about. I know Matt Palmer. It was after you know your interview with Matt Palmer, and he was just like he was like uh, DJ Bob gave me a great idea for a video that we can do on two gay mats, and uh, so then we we reacted to just all the old Pepsi commercials with Britney and the Spice Girls and uh, Madonna. <laughs> I loved it. I that one was and, for uh, you. I like my logo young screen. Oh my <laughs> god! Well, yeah, we had to we had to do the promotion, girl. We have to promote the the greatness of the DJ Bob show because you know the people who watch Two Game Mats love nostalgia so much as you know as much as we do and as much as you do. So yeah, I you know it it's really funny to me, and I just want to bring this up. I don't get it. Why people think it's it's so shocking that I know all this stuff because I wasn't that young. I mean, yeah. I, was, I was impressionable enough. <laughs> I just never really understood the shock value. Well, and also, like, you know, we were watching TV, like, since we could open our eyes, you know. Of course, we're going to, it's going to make a big impact on us and... It's so interesting. There are some people, though, who they watched TV as and like saw movies as kids and everything, and they don't remember any of it. Like it just made no impression on them. They would just kind of blindly watch it and go, "Oh, that's cool." And as adults, they're kind of just like, "Oh, I don't remember that." And it's like, yeah, that's... I mean, it just and also too, I just because now the podcast is it still got that nostalgic roots but I wanted to be more about me and what I'm into now and who I am as a person rather than hey remember this so I always try to kind of merge the two so I feel like the Annie Live Talk cast and this sort of 
letting it excel to an episode, and there's no one else I'd rather do it with. So well, there's no one else I'd rather do it with with, with either DJ Bob. So I appreciate well, it. So where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, the handle is at it's Matt Steele. So I T S Matt Steele, M A T T S T E E L E. Uh, and I'm on there and, or you could find me on a, you know, my YouTube channel with Matt Palmer, which is two gay mats. Uh, we're on YouTube and we have a podcast that you can find on Spotify or Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. So, and you know, we can't go out without plugging it movie. Oh, we cannot. We absolutely cannot. So yeah, um, I, uh, a movie I wrote and produced and starred in uh, is available to watch. It's called uh, Devos, uh, like divas, but you know, boys. And uh, making so... a good companion piece with the special actually. Oh, it is because it's about musical theater and drama and tears and anger and bitterness. <laughs> so it's there are no children. There's no. Well, I mean, there are high schoolers, uh, but. Uh, so it's it's basically about uh, you know bitchy boys in their high school musical and the horrible backstage politics of uh, you know a high school show. Uh, it's basically all about Eve, but set in a high school and and uh, with boys instead of women. So so if you're into Annie Live, clearly you must like musical theater. So you can check that out. Um, that's anywhere where you rent or buy movies. It's on Amazon. It's actually on Amazon Prime for free if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, it's on iTunes. Where I watched it multiple times. Yes, ma'am. Uh, so, yeah, all those places, Amazon, iTunes, YouTube, movies, uh, Google Play, Voodoo, Fandango Now. It's on Tubi as well. And we're about to get our international release date soon. Ooh. <laughs> soon. It's coming soon. I'm excited. Yeah. For the... But seriously, thank you so much, and I'll probably have you back to discuss the biggest fan. Or oh, iconic! I will discuss that any day. It's just a great excuse for me to watch it again. Is it, is it really? It's a great excuse for me to watch it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'll see you later. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present.